Hey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 270. As always, I am joined by... No, I'm not. Dom is not here this week. Instead, in his absence, we have uh, official third chair of the podcast and sometimes co-host, Chris Nunes. How's it going, Chris? Going well. Super excited to be here today. Yeah, I, uh, I threw out the call. I threw out the bat signal, the, the Chris signal, and I was like, hey, can you be on this week and fill in for Dom because he had some stuff going on, and thankfully you were free, so... Welcome, 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 as always. Uh, you know, we're recording this on March 10th, which is officially Mario Day. And I figure to start off the show, in honor of that, we could talk about, and you could start off, what is, do you have a favorite uh, memory in gaming related to the Mario franchise? Or uh, do you have a favorite game in the Super Mario franchise that kind of you hold close to the heart? Yeah, 100%. Like, my favorite Mario moment is, well, I've got two. One was the fact that I used to like literally spend the night over at friends' houses who had a Nintendo before myself so that I could go play Mario. And like that was the only game that everybody had at the time. I'm I'm that old. And also uh, my my all-time favorite is Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, I went to Toys R Us. I pulled the golden ticket. Had to wait for it to come in. It came in late. I had to make phone calls in order to get it. It was the first game I ever purchased with my own money. And I played that game front to back so many times that I literally blindfolded. I could probably play Super Mario Brothers 3. Where does that, because I'm assuming that's your favorite game in Super Mario series. In terms of like your overall favorite games of all time, does is that in the top 10? It is only for nostalgia purposes. Like it's one of those things where like every time I think of it, it's like such a great memory for me. And like I just remember getting the box and being so excited to come home with it and then just literally diving in for hours at a time um, from school and then playing it. It was just it's one of those things where like I had seen um, I don't remember if you remember the the movie, the, the The Wiz, where that had Fred Savage in it and they had like a part of the Mario game like in that um in that movie and we went to go see the movie oh power glove yeah yeah video armageddon it was like this really big deal and it like i swear to you it was probably in the in the for 20 seconds maybe but like we went to go to the movie just so that we could get a glimpse of mario it was like i was looking at it through nintendo powers and stuff like that so yeah i that's literally the game that like kind of turned me into uh, you know the video game player i am today is because of, of of that specific game it's it's very so. Uh, my last question here before I get into my relation to Mario: Are you do you prefer three D or two D? I prefer three uh, D now. I mean, 3D? Mario sixty four okay. kind of changed the game for me. So like, if I if I were to rank a game in my top five, like in my top five, Mario sixty four would be it, hands down. Like, I absolutely love that game and uh, adore it. It's just that for nostalgia's sake, Mario, you know, Super Mario three is just a game that I can like literally visualize playing through every level. So I'm I'm a little bit younger than you. So my journey with the Super Mario series is a bit different in that the first time I played the original Super Mario Brothers was at like a relative's house on on the uh, on the Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. But the first time like I owned a Super Mario game and it was mine on my own system was Super Mario 64 for the 64. And yeah, it like revolutionized what I thought platformers could be alongside like you know Donkey Kong Country. And I've always gravitated more towards the 3D over the 2D. I love the 2D games, but 3D is my shit. Like, my favorite Mario game is Super Mario Odyssey. And the sole reason for that is that it's the evolution of Super Mario 64 that I want. Um, For me, as much as I love Super Mario 64 and the nostalgia goggles I have for it, when I go back to it, I realize, like, ah, the camera's a little bit clunkier than I'd like it. 
the controls aren't as tight as I'd enjoy them. And I still love it for what it is. When you when you're that tied to something with nostalgia, it's hard to like separate yourself, right? Um, but for me, like Super Mario Odyssey just elevated all of that stuff. And uh, sitting here waiting for a sequel at some point. And funny enough, we'll talk about it later on the show. I played through and finished Super Mario Galaxy for the first time. Oh, that's so awesome. that was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get to it later. But I still want to play the sequel. It's weird that that didn't get ported over to the Switch. Um, and yeah, I, I love 3D Mario. And I'm hoping we get one soon, maybe at the release of the next Switch or whatever that is. But yeah, man, Super Mario is so special because it's one of those games, kind of like Pokemon in a way, uh, though... Super Mario has a very, very much a higher level of quality per release than Pokemon, but that everyone comes in at a different generation, but they still get attached to the series, which I think is really special. Like, obviously, there's other franchises that have multiple games in it, but a lot of times we get stuck in this place as gamers. We're like, well, I need to play the first one before I play the second and the third, whereas like Mario and Pokemon don't necessarily have that issue. You kind of just jump in with the newest one that comes out, which I think is super cool. And, uh, yeah, I hope one day either of us get to go check out the Super Nintendo land because the uh, early visits and stuff seems like it's really cool. It's obviously new, so there's not a whole lot to do there. But the, from what I've heard, it's the one thing at Universal Studios that feels most like Disneyland in that or Disney World in that when you're in it, it feels like you're in it. Like you can't see like other buildings from other places and it doesn't break the immersion and all of the little Easter eggs, like tiny little Pikmin in the grass and stuff. My like brother sent me uh, videos when they had the that pre-release for everybody to go in because he works at uh, NBC and so he lives right in Burbank and so he's like shooting pictures of all this crap and I'm like, you bastard. Oh man, he was so, so jealous. Awesome. <laughs> so he was like, this is what you get to do and like he kind of did like a, a little mini walkthrough, like not like a t- like not B for B, but like enough that I got a feel for what it looks like and the next time I go out there, he's like, I'll get you in, it's not a big deal. I'm like, this is awesome, I cannot wait. Damn, the FOMO for me hearing all that. Yeah, but yes. I, I, it just seems so cool, and I'm glad Nintendo's finally getting around to it. It's it's weird that it took this long, but then again, theme parks are much more expensive and much more complicated than you'd assume because at its baseline, you know, it's just like a, you buy a plot of land, you build some rides, build some shops, and you're good to go. But the truly special ones like Disneyland, no, it's like a whole process of like you have to know eye lines, you have to you know, put these certain vents in areas where you can pump the the smell of the food or there's a bunch of like crazy stuff that goes into that you don't even think about that just kind of adds up. Sure. It's like replayability with parks too. You got to have the ability to go back and, and see things that you didn't see before or have nostalgia for the things that you remember from like the last time you went, that sort of thing. And so that's a big deal for them is to be able to update it consistently and to keep drawing crowds into it so that it just doesn't die on the vine. Yeah, well, and the crazy thing, too, is the way Nintendo can handle it is they can have Mario at its base and then have the smaller franchises that maybe aren't as popular be the spinoffs, right? Like, sure. uh, like Disneyland, kind of. But then the moment they open the Pokemon expansion, that's going to equal the the Super Mario part where that thing is just going to rake in money if they do it right. <laughs> 100%. going to be crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you think of just Pokemon Go, the, imagine there being a theme park. Gonna be bananas, especially if you can do Pokemon Go inside the like inside the theme park on top of all of that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, they can have a section kind of like the Star Wars thing where you build your own lightsaber. You can either build your own Pokeball or your own Pokemon plushie or sure some kind of like it. It it it's Prince money, man. Um, yep. You know, we talked about Disney. We talked about Star Wars. We even talked about Mario. Let's talk about another uh, partially Disney. Let's talk about Marvel. We're gonna get to the quick news here. 
So first up, are we getting a familiar Wolverine? So according to rumors and speculation, Insomniac Games may have brought in Steve Bloom to take on the role of Wolverine in Marvel's Wolverine. Bloom made a post on Instagram a few weeks ago in which he, uh, we see the actor in a full mocap suit talking about a project he participated in some time ago. Bloom specifically reported that he took part in the development of a video game on which, however, he has signed a non-disclosure, uh, non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, so he cannot report anything specific, which we already know about that stuff with actors. Uh, Bloom is a prestigious actor who has lent his voice to X-Men's Wolverine in numerous animated projects and video games. Most recently, he was Wolverine in Midnight Suns, um, the tactics game, the licensed one from Firaxis. And he also voices for the anime people out there, Spike Spiegel in the 90s anime Cowboy Bebop. He's done a ton of things. Like Steve Bloom is one of the most highly regarded voice actors out there. And uh, yeah, this isn't necessarily, we don't have confirmation that he's in it. Like because he's so well known, he can be in a number of video games, right, Chris? Like it, yeah. just because he's doing a video game doesn't mean it's necessarily uh, Marvel's Wolverine. Like he did Midnight Suns. It could be another licensed Marvel game we don't know about, but. I'm excited. I actually wanted to use this news story as like a, a, a point to have a discussion about where we're feeling in terms of our hype for Marvel's Wolverine, right? Because we're on the cusp of Marvel Spider-Man 2, set to release later this year, which I'm super excited about. We're going to see Venom enter the world of Insomniac Spider-Man universe. But everyone's itching for Wolverine, right? We Outside of uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, that licensed game that was way better than it had any right being, X-Men is another one of those properties that we don't see taken advantage of enough in video games. Uh, Dom and I recently talked about Lord of the Rings and how the only games we've seen recently are like that really gross-looking Gollum game that isn't even like officially licensed uh, that's been delayed like 17 times. Um, Where are you at in terms of your hype for Marvel's Wolverine? Because we have a whole generation of people who may not be comics people or even MCU people, but they loved Logan, right? I think this has a huge chance to be a hit for Insomniac, especially with their quality... Uh, of games that they deliver. So where are you sitting at currently with your hype and interest in Marvel's Wolverine? Yeah, I mean, look at the how popular the PS3 version of that Wolverine game, that comic game that was was out for a while. Uh, it was actually really, really good. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because Wolverine has the same power, like the same issue as Superman, and that's regeneration, and I want to know how they're going to handle that. How they handle that is probably, to me, going to be the key to how Wolverine plays. Because you have to deal with the fact that he self-heals. So are they going to make that a thing? Or is it going to be like a mechanic or or, or whatnot? But I, Insomniac Games, after... Uh, I mean, ju- I, you, you think of all of the, the, the love that they put into Spider-Man and Miles Morales. And then Ratchet and Clank. I, the trust level them, with them is, is huge. It's just, okay, now we need to see what it looks like. Like, how is it going to play? What, it, even a glimpse at... E3, I actually don't even think we'll probably see it at E3. I think we're still far away from that. But maybe we'll see it um, at the end of this year, maybe at, yeah, at the Game Awards. I think that that would probably be the spot. I would assume that they would do it, only because they don't want to take any shine away from uh, Spider-Man 2. Sure. Yeah, and for me, uh, there's two things I want out of this game. One, I don't want it to be open world. Um, A, because we already have Spider-Man being an open world game, and B, we already know like there's a Black Panther open world game on the way. And I want to see... Superhero games delivered in different genres. And for me, I hope it's closer to like a Last of Us or an Uncharted in that it's uh, like mostly linear. There may be some open areas to explore and navigate, but it's mostly uh, like a, a level by level type of situation. And the other thing, as a comic nerd, Chris, the one thing we haven't gotten in video games properly, and I think Insomniac can nail, 
and we haven't even gotten the MCU yet, and hopefully we do one day, is one of the most iconic showdowns in comics in Marvel is Wolverine versus the Hulk. Oh, yeah. And general superhero audiences who haven't really followed the comics haven't had the opportunity to see that. You have, you know, an unstoppable force, an immovable object, and I think it'd be a really, really cool idea. It'd be a way for them to be able to get Hulk into a video game because you talked about Superman. I think Hulk is another superhero who suffers from having a video game based on them because their power set is just so hard to build an engaging game around. Uh, that's why they're always like destructive games where you just destroy everything. Where for me as a big Hulk fan, I'd love something more narrative focused where maybe it flashes between Bruce Banner and Hulk. But I just want to see that fight happen. Uh, other yeah, than that, cool I could have Hulk as an end boss. Like that would actually yeah. be kind of cool because then you could then it would then then it makes sense. Yeah, or even Red Hulk, you can go that route where sure. maybe he initially fights Hulk, but then the ultimate evil is, is Red Hulk. Yeah, you need to have somebody who can like stand up to him toe to toe. And it is interesting with his with his regeneration abilities. My assumption is they're going to do the thing where the antagonist creates something to where it either slows down his heal, or maybe there's a gameplay mechanic in that you have to activate your uh, healing, but it comes at the cost of maybe a reduction in combat efficiency or something. Sure. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, they they nailed the combat in Spider-Man, so I'm sure they're going to come up with clever ways to make it engaging. And uh, I think people are undercounting the idea of this game coming out a lot sooner after Spider-Man um, because Insomniac has multiple teams. How long ago did Ratchet come out? Was it two years at this point? Two years ago. Yeah, so if that yeah. team's working on that, then you, you'd count this year as well. So that would be three. I think there's totally a place in which, and I would probably put my money more in 2025, but I could totally see Spider-Man hitting this fall and Wolverine hitting next fall. I don't think sure. that's out of the question. Um, and we also don't know what's happening with the rest of PlayStation's portfolio. They might want to do factions next fall and then kick Wolverine to the next year. Who knows? We'll get more answers apparently at the showcase for PlayStation happening uh, around that E3 time, according to Jeff Grubb and a bunch of other sources. Though, I'm with you. I doubt we see Wolverine because... You, you need to deliver and get people excited for the Spider-Man 2 game that instead of showing up at the Game Awards last year, Sony put out that blog post, do you remember? Like a week after the Game yep. Awards? Yep. Where it's like, hey, we just want to confirm Marvel Spider-Man 2 is coming out next fall. Didn't want to I mean, uh, we still haven't even seen anything from our, for, for Spider-Man 2, so I wouldn't even be shocked at the Game Awards if it was just another Wolverine-like, you know, in-engine trailer, but, it, but you don't actually see any gameplay still. Dude, honestly, Chris, I would be fine with if they just tease the Hulk, uh, Wolverine thing. Like, not even them fighting, but like <laughs> he walks up, he's like, "Hey, bub, I heard, you know, something big guy. You know, the the cheesy sure. but good, kind of like comic. even like the Venom, like the quick Venom show, like in the for Spider Man two, where you can see him and it's like, oh, okay, I know where this is going, because that will pop off for people. Or if you tease a different X Men appearing in it, like any of them, that'll pop off with people, even if it's no gameplay or even if there's barely any cinematic, but it's just like the tease of it. Yeah. Sure. People will go nuts. And then, you know, the thing, too, is we could also see that coincide with a back-to-back Insomniac thing of the Game Awards where they also tease the Spider-Man 2 DLC because it seems like... I can't remember when the the original Spider-Man DLC was set into three parts, but I don't remember how long after its release the first DLC came out. And I want to say Spider-Man came close, out in, like, right? September of that year. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the first DLC for Black Cat came out, like, in November or December. Yeah, it was really um, quick, and they did it consecutively. It wasn't like every other month or something like that, or every month. Yeah, yeah. It, I think all of it was released before a year passed for the game's release. I don't remember how long it was, though. Um, so we'll probably see something similar to that, I assume. Next up, 
Speaking of superheroes, we got the exciting stuff with Wolverine. We got to bring ourselves down a bit, just like Thanos said, everything in balance, Chris. Suicide Squad kills the hype train? According to Jason Schreier of Bloomberg, quote, Warner Brothers and Rocksteady have delayed Suicide Squad kill the Justice League once again from May to later this year, that being 2023, according to a person familiar with the situation. Jason Schreier went on to say, the delay is necessary mostly to fix bugs and improve aspects of the game that were lagging behind and won't overhaul much of the core gameplay that had led to backlash, the person said, asking not to be named, discussing information that isn't public. Giant Bomb's Jeff Grubb on his Game Mess Decides podcast went on to say he has since added that his sources have stated that the game's delay is much longer than the end of 2023, with the game expected to now launch sometime in 2024. WB Games and or Rocksteady Studios have yet to make an official announcement on the reported delay from viable and trusted reporters. It is also good to mention that uh, WB Games' latest release, which is, uh, I want to say Harry Potter, what is it called? Hogwarts Legacy uh, Hogwarts. is selling like crazy. Yeah. So in terms of their financials, they have plenty of leeway to delay this game. Um, it's interesting. We talked about following that PlayStation State of Play, Chris. I'm pretty sure you felt the same way, that it was it was disappointing. Not in that this game might not be fun in a shoot 'em up multiplayer sense, but it's not the type of experience people expect from a Rocksteady Studios title, especially off of the hills of Gotham Knights. And it's a bummer. Uh, in general, WB as a company is in a weird place. We've seen with uh, their streaming service and their decisions to release movies or cancel them or delete them for tax returns. They're just in a very weird place as a company. Uh, I'm of the opinion, though this has never been verified, that I think Rocksteady Studios and WB Games were kind of up uh, Montreal were kind of strong armed into chasing the games as a service uh, thing. Uh, because we heard multiple projects from each studio being canceled. Uh, I don't know. It just it, it stinks of overbearing publisher to me, and it's sure. a bummer. And part of me just wanted this game to come out as soon as possible so Rocksteady can get on to the next thing. Um, and to Jason Trier's point, I don't know if this delay is going to fix any of the issues people have, actually have a problem with. I'm sure the game will probably be more uh, polished. It'll have less bugs. But at the core of it, this would have to be a multi-year delay for them to change what the game is at its root. What do you think about this whole situation of the possible delay, your hype for the game, all of it? Because it's in a weird I place. Yeah, I think that the polish is legit because I think that they feel like they need to polish this game as, as smooth as possible because the game obviously has bad t a taste in everybody's mouth just from what they saw. So in order to try to clean things up a bit, it might help it overall. If you remember back to when Arkham Knight like wasn't able to be played on PC and some gaming systems were like it was jamming up systems so they can't have another oh, yeah. like that. Honestly, I mean, this is nothing against Rocksteady because I, I, I really do love the Arkham games, but they're they're really on a very thin ice as far as with gamers because you have back to back games where it's come out and this these are the, the receptions that you're getting for them. Like it's it's there's an expectation level of what's expected from Rocksteady and like this isn't it. I mean to me Honestly, when I saw this, it looks more like Sunset Overdrive than Arkham. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, this looks like Sunset Overdrive. A lot of jumping, Good a lot comparison, of movement, everybody's yeah. you know, going around everywhere, hitting certain things. Just had like a a weird, like, arcade feel to it. And that's not what I was expecting out of this game. And then when you see the purple stuff, it's like, here we go. And you and then you see that they're going to they're gonna have seasons and they're they're gonna have campaigns and you're gonna have to pay for extra stuff and 
gamers just don't want to hear that anymore. Like, we don't want to hear that anymore. Like, if you're going to make it a games of service, be upfront about it. And if you're not going to make it a games of service, be upfront about it. Like, just tell us which one it is. So, to your point, WB probably pushed them and said, hey, we need to make consistent money off this thing, so you need to make a game that does that. But also, to your point, they're not going to ground root this game and restart it from scratch. Like, the gameplay is, good, is what the gameplay is, and all they're going to do is try to, like, clean up whatever they can. Yeah, you know, it's funny. After the presentation, I had a tweet that was something like, Suicide Squad shoots the purple or something, you know, making fun of the fact that, like, <laughs> sure. yeah, everything you're shooting is purple. And I know Avengers gets a bad rap, and I know outside of Greg Miller, I'm probably one of its biggest supporters in terms of, not that it was a great game by any means, but I did have fun with it. And the one thing I will say about Avengers in comparison to Suicide Squad Kills of Justice League is those characters very much play differently, which I appreciated. Uh, like you felt the different mechanics of each hero. Obviously, you can argue whether or not they were super polished or, or worthwhile in every moment of gameplay, but they did feel different. And that's the one thing with this too is, yeah, sure, maybe King Shark moves a little bit. Uh, slower and is a little bit more powerful, but at the end of the day, they're all shooting guns. Like Harley shooting a shotgun isn't going to feel different than King Shark shooting a shotgun, right? The only difference really is their traversal, which all seems hyper fast and it's hard to differentiate outside of, oh, one swings and one teleports, but they're both moving at crazy pace. And then the special moves, which we don't know how often you're going to get those. We don't know how effective those are. Um, when you're going to have to be shooting specific purple spots do the melees and special moves work or do you have to have guns? The one thing I will say, uh, I think Metropolis looks really cool outside of the games of service aspects of its design, just in terms of its visual fidelity and level sure. of detail. I think it's really nice. Um, and it is a bummer that this is Kevin Conroy's last performance. That's what kills me the most is like, imagine if we got a fourth Arkham game or maybe it's not even a Batman game, but he appears in a surprise cameo as Batman. It's just real unfortunate that the last time we're going to hear that special voice of Bruce Wayne and Batman is going to be in something that might just fizzle out upon launch. And honestly, that's like the number one thing driving me to wanting to play this game. Uh, Chris is experiencing that Kevin Conroy performance. Uh, but then again, what's stopping me from just Googling Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League movie on YouTube and just watching all of the cutscenes, you know, which is a bummer. So It's just crazy to me that we haven't had a proper Batman game since 2015. Like, yeah, it's been I'm... eight years. Like, we're going to go through another full generation without a Batman game when Rocksteady was, like, literally pumping him out and they were just crushing the game with the with, with Batman. I mean, the Arkham, uh, or the, the Gotham Knights game is a, is a trash shoot. This is going to end up being terrible. Like, you're going to have back-to-back. -back. Warner Brothers really needs to think about what they're doing with their video games and their licensing and how they're going to send these games out because... All they're doing is just sending them out to die right now. Uh, I mean, the Wonder Woman game is in in the process, so hopefully that's a little bit better. But, gosh, back to back Batman's or, or in that in that vein in that Arkham world, and both of them are duds. Yeah, imagine if somebody said they're going to make a, a, a Rock City is going to make a game that features the Justice League and Suicide Squad, which on its own sounds really cool without knowing if it's a games of service or anything. Just Rock City working on that, and then for it to come out and it might tarnish both of those brands equally, which sucks. Um, obviously, Suicide Squad has already been tarnished somewhat, but sure. even Justice League, like, it's it's a bummer, man. And we talked about Marvel Spider-Man earlier. Marvel Spider-Man's combat, as, as good as Insomniac is, they owe a lot, and they probably admit as much, to the Arkham games for revolutionizing superhero combat. And you could argue, yeah, it's a bit yep. button-mashy, like, there's not a whole lot of strategy there uh, for the Arkham games. 
But even then, it's much better than miles ahead of a lot of the licensed games we got for decades before that. And it's a shame to see them go from trend setting to trend following. Maybe not entirely in their control. We didn't even mention the fact that the two co-founders of the studio dipped once this game seemed like it was reaching its conclusion, which is part of why I also believe the WB strong-arming this whole situation. Like They're like, ah, we're done. Like We can't even make the games we want to make. We did this. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's strange that you have the Batman property and you wait this long when that literally prints money. You know what I mean? Batman yep. prints money and a good Batman game prints even more money. So it's a shame. And yeah, I I don't know. It's we're we're I think we're obviously gonna get to a point you said thin ice. I think there's a, a total world in which either PlayStation or Xbox or THQ Nordic buys the studios. Obviously they won't get the IP because that's not how that works. But, you know, Rocksteady might not get another chance to make a Batman game if things turn out a certain way, which is going to suck. But that's a bummer. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's how the business world is sometimes for better or worse. And it sucks. And yeah, I guess the last thing we'll end on with this is, do you think there is a realistic chance? Not that I don't believe Jeff Grubb, uh, but do you think there's a realistic chance of this slips to 2024? Uh, Gosh, I... It- I think that they can see the writing on the wall for what's coming out this year. And because it's such a banger year for games early and late in the year, they might just want to skip it and find a slot that makes the most sense for them. I mean, you don't want to go into the fall because you don't want to get hit by Starfield or by Spider-Man 2. And if you come out anytime in the near future, you're going to get hit with Nintendo. So, like, you got to be cautious on where you're releasing your your game. And so they might just say, hey, we're just going to dip, use this time to clean everything up so that it's 100% polished and we can release this whenever, especially like you said, with Hogwarts Legacy doing so well, they might have bought themselves another quarter later than they anticipated in order to release it. Yeah, and unfortunately for this game, like the people have also been comparing it to to Outriders a little bit, and it might have to hit that Outriders release window. Come out in like January, February, and people are itching for a new game, and you might have the, the most success there, so... We'll see. Just hopefully WB and their, their stock uh, holders don't expect Harry Potter, you know, Hogwarts Legacy numbers from this when it comes out in that same time period. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we actually are going to be talking about a little bit more about superheroes, kind of, in this next story. Uh, TT Games, not to be confused with Telltale Games, uh, TT Games are the studio that makes the Lego uh, titles, uh, had several cancellations. This is uh, from Marie Delessandre over at gamesindustry.biz who is reporting on a Nintendo Life uh, report, kind of uh, passing it over, that uh, multiple projects were canceled at TT Games, including a LEGO Disney title. According to sources, the LEGO game based on various Disney franchises had been in development for four years. The success of Gameloft's recently released Disney Dreamlight Valley, which for those who don't know is like an Animal Crossing-ish type game, um, shares a similar concept with the LEGO Disney game that was in development, is ultimately what led to the cancellation of the TT Games project, according to Nintendo Life. TT Games reportedly canceled another LEGO game based on Guardians of the Galaxy as well, nicknamed Project Cosmic, which has been in development for 18 months, so about a year and a half. Two titles also seem to have an uncertain future that are still in development, but who knows, uh, with sources saying DLC based on The Mandalorian is in the works for LEGO Skywalker Saga, as well as a new Batman game. But both have been reportedly put on hold to make space for a new Lego Harry Potter project. Ah, we'll talk about that. Uh, despite the positive reception of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, this is a bit I added, uh, following its release, Polygon and a number of other gaming industry outlets reported on how the project led to extensive and problematic crunch at the studio. Um, that game's awesome. I have Lego Star, Walk- uh, Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. 
I really was hoping that that was the future of TT games, that they take a little bit longer for their development and release these bigger packages with higher visual fidelity that feel like substantial things instead of the smaller licensed titles. Though they were good, they didn't feel like full-fledged AAA uh, pro uh, products. So it is a bummer to hear that that Disney one that seemed like a mashup of a bunch of properties got canceled. But for me, more so, it's the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one. Because we had, funny enough, Telltale Games made the Guardians of the Galaxy game that was not that great. Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics put out Guardians, which I thought was a solid game. I don't know if it was a Game of the Year contender, but a solid 7-8, and I don't know if we're ever going to get a sequel since Crystal Dynamics was sold off. Um, so it's a bummer that we're not getting that Guardians Lego game. Uh, I don't I don't know what's the future of the studio um, because the crunch culture is very dangerous. We don't know if they fixed that or not. It's a, a license. It's like two licenses, right? Because they license Lego, and then they license yep. the property that the game's based on. And Chris, to this point, maybe the next Batman game we get is, uh, you know, uh, Lego Batman the Collection or something where they do it to all the previous Batman games that they did to the St the Skywalker Saga. Maybe, maybe that's her next Batman it, game. I think, think. I think it's really funny that they decided to pivot to Harry Potter again. They're like, oh, yep. well, Hogwarts Legacy is doing really well. <laughs> maybe we'll pivot and go over to Harry Potter instead. Um. Yeah, it's just, it's sad that they, they're they canceling projects, but a lot of times when these companies take on too many projects, to your point, they can't polish them to the level that they need to be in order for them to make money. So it's it's one, and also the other thing is, is they're paying an arm and a leg for these licensors for these yep. games. So it's like they play test these games, they start out with a concept. Do you think people are going to buy it? It has to make X amount of dollars. We've spent 18 months on it. The fund's not there. Let's drop it and let's move on to the next thing. And that's what they have to do. I mean, Guardians is done after after this Guardians of the Galaxy. That's the last of the, in the movie series. And, and it was in developed for 18 months. I wonder if they were planning on making it come out near the I would think so, release, probably. Yeah. And they, they might, to your point, they might end up having crunch and it's like, well, we don't have enough people to put on all these projects and so one, some things have to give and so let's like bail. Even the, even the Lego Disney thing, it's like, we can see the writing on the wall. People are interested in this Dreamlight Valley. They're not going to be interested in this. How much are we really going to make off of it? Let's just cancel it. They must have a, an in with Disney, so they have licensure to like do whatever they want with all the Disney projects. It could you know. have also been Disney that canceled it. We don't know. Like Disney True. might have saw Dreamlight Valley and be like, "Why are we having two? Why are we budgeting two games that are similar? Let's just we don't want them to cut compete. one. Yeah, to take money yeah. away from each other. Yeah, true. And yeah, that Disney Dreamlight Valley earns a lot of money with all of its microtransactions. So uh, probably more than they'd make from a Lego game. But yeah, like uh, the Harry Potter project, I hope maybe is in a similar vein where they've already released a bunch of Harry Potter games. Uh, but they didn't do them for some of the later movies, which is a similar sure. thing with Star Wars, where they didn't do them for the last couple of releases, uh, being Episode Eight and Nine. So I would love a collection where they do the same thing, where it's pretty much a remake. It's not even a remaster. Like they redid all the assets. The way the game even works is complete. It's like a brand new game, just includes all the content they've already created. So, yeah, I I hope TT Games is in a place where it's that's the trade off. Instead of getting two or three Lego games every year or so. Uh, that are smaller scope and lead to a lot of crunch of trying to finish multiple projects. Maybe this is their new direction of, you know, Skywalker Saga came out, all the, those reports came out, which were in 2022, January 2022, so that was about a year ago. And maybe uh -huh. this was, like you said, one of the results of, in order to fix the culture and the environment, we just got to cut ties with some of these projects. And that is their direction where less releases, maybe one every year and a half, but it's these bigger collections that span an entire franchise. 
And I think yeah, people might I mean, like that too. It might be more Lego successful. Lego games are great mindless fun. They're like light puzzlers that like you d- you could have a podcast on in the background while you're playing. Like I, those are games where like it's like what do I? I don't really know what I want to play. I guess I can play this for a little bit because like it's not stressful. I, I that's sure. what I use Lego games for. Yeah, they're just collectathon, dumb fun. You get uh, yep. the franchises you love with jokes. That the, a lot of the original like Star Wars jokes too are really funny, where they play with the fact that they're Lego and stuff. It's sure. it's great. And yeah, I just hope everyone working at TT Games is in a better work environment. And uh, thanks to a better work environment, we'll get some dope stuff from them. But it's just uh, unfortunate to see a bunch of games canceled. But for every four or five games we hear that are canceled, there's dozens and dozens more that we never hear about that actually get canceled as well. And, uh, yeah, just the bummer to hear about the ones we know about, you know, stings a little bit more. I'd, it hurts more knowing what we could have had as opposed to we not knowing what we could have had. You know what I mean? Out of yeah, sight, out of mind. Back in the day, we didn't even know things were canceled. Now it's like such a, a deal to know that everything is out. When is it going to be out? So when it does get canceled, it, I think it hurts a little bit harder. Yeah. I, even back in the day, I don't even remember paying attention or the industry wasn't in a place where you would hear about delays. It was just like oh, the game's coming out then, and then you'd wait, and then it's like, oh, why didn't the game come out? Oh, it's actually coming out this point. And the thought process was like, oh, maybe I just heard the release date wrong. You're even thinking, like, oh, I can't believe that game got delayed, you know? Just being a dumb no, well, kid. I was talking, when I, just like I was talking about Nintendo Power, there'd be games that would be, like, on the front cover of Nintendo Power or inside Nintendo Power. All of a sudden, you'd get excited about a game, and then you just never would see it again. <laughs> like, it would just disappear. True. It's like, oh, where did that go? Yeah. Uh, speaking of games we're excited about... Let's talk about Starfield. So, out of nowhere, we had heard that it was weird because the rumors initially started that the uh, Starfield Direct was going to happen sometime soon, and then they kind of shifted to the the date for the Direct is going to be announced sometime soon, and we finally got it in a random social media post. A short video posted to Bethesda's official channels uh, showed that Todd Howard uh, formally revealed two key, uh, formally revealed two key dates for their upcoming epic sci-fi RPG Starfield. Uh, in addition, there was also plenty of new gameplay footage providing an even broader sneak peek at the highly anticipated game. Howard announced that a Starfield Direct presentation will directly follow the Xbox showcase uh, on June 11th, Microsoft's yearly presentation taking place around the traditional E3 calendar dates. Details regarding how long it'll be were not clarified, but Howard also revealed that Starfield will now release on September 6th, 2023, departing from the, quote, first half of 2023, end quote, window that was previously stated i'm very excited for this game um dom and i are huge bethesda fans uh obviously they had a bit of a slip up with fall 76 though the counter argument there is it wasn't the main bethesda game studios team uh not to say they get a, a pass for that that game released in a terrible place um but i think people are down on Bethesda in a way that we saw the internet down on like EA for a long time. And I don't think it's as warranted in my opinion. Fallout 4 wasn't as innovative as previous titles, but it wasn't a bad game by any means. It was actually a pretty good game. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's one of those things, Chris, where it's become like cool to not like Bethesda on the internet. It's like, uh, Bethesda is going to release a shitty buggy game where it's like, I think people are in a place where they don't understand yeah, maybe Fallout 4 didn't live live up to the hype, but like I said, it was still a good game. People forget how innovative Skyrim is, uh, or was when it released, and I think a lot of that has to do with Witcher 3 eating its lunch in the years that followed. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and I think people forget the place in which Skyrim released, how crazy it was for a Western RPG with that amount of content and breadth of an open world and everything it delivered. 
And yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little salty if you can tell because I I like Bethesda and I'm very excited for Starfield and I hope it's as good as I as as it can be. But I I'm just not vibing with this like cool to hate Bethesda vibe we've had in the last like half decade. Yeah, it's kind of weird how everybody just like downs them about the Bethesda jank and like I mean the charm that a lot of their games have. I can appreciate the fact that they're going to delay this a little bit longer. I think that Xbox is feeling the pressure from Halo and they need a golden goose right now and Starfield is that golden goose and so if it means giving them six more you know six six seven more months in order to get this thing polished to the point where like that stereotype of Bethesda is gone then I think Xbox just tells them hey you, you guys do you like like make make that happen. And also, I'm not a big believer in these whole dates things. Like, I don't care about the date. I'll be honest with you. Like, just tell me the game's coming and then let me know when it's coming so that every time that we have to push this thing three and four and five times, people get so pissed off about it on the internet and Twitter's just like a blaze of how angry people are. It's like, who cares? The, the Xbox has games every quarter coming out. This is one of their major titles for the for going into Q4. They're going to ride this thing out. It's going to be a competitor for the rest of the year against any game of the year, and, and that's what they're hoping for. And they're not going to be coming out with anything else, so they're putting all their chips in on Starfield. So they're going to give it the space that it deserves, and they're going to give it the time it needs in order to be polished. Well, and the thing, too, is the moment Redfall got dated for, like, the what, May, I was like, oh, there's a, there's a good chance that Starfield is not coming out in June sure. or July. Um, and, yeah, it's one of those things, Chris, where... People complain, I can't believe they pushed off of the 12-month thing. I can't believe they delayed it again. Wah, wah, wah. But if the game came out and was as buggy as they complain about to begin with, it's like, you you can't, like, what is Bethesda supposed to do? <laughs> you know, right? like, you're yeah, going to be mad either shot. way. So I'd rather have them delay it and you'll be mad still and I get a better game. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I think it's super interesting, too, that they're going to have that their presentation for for this is going to that's their direct like there is no Bethesda direct. It is a Starfield direct like so I'm curious on if Bethesda has anything else going on or if it's literally going to be 30 minutes of Starfield and that's it. If you remember, the last two E3 presentations for Microsoft have been labeled the Bethesda and Microsoft or Bethesda and Xbox showcase. Uh So they kind of mush them both together. So. Uh, I think the, the the main presentation will still include some Bethesda stuff. Okay. Um, I'm hoping we get a glance at the Indiana Jones game for Machine Games. I can't wait. Um, I'm not the biggest Indiana Jones guy. Funny enough, Chris, not that I dislike it, I've never seen an Indiana Jones movie. Oh, jeez. Uh, and part of it, and you're probably going to dislike this part even more, is that I've never been a Harrison Ford guy. Like, Oh, no. Han Solo you, is Have cool you not been character? watching Apple TV? Like, you have not. Tell me you have, you've you watched him on... I can't remember the name of the show. My wife and I have just been watching it. Oh not Yellowstone, right? No. I'll... So, I, I've heard that's a really good show, and I might watch it because I love Jason Segal. Jason Segal's yeah. in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've never liked Harrison Ford as an actor. Uh, just, I don't know, something just... Even in Star Wars, then. Yeah, like, I think Han Solo is a cool idea for a character, but he was never, like, he was, like, fourth or fifth on my list of favorite characters in the original trilogy. Uh, and I know it's weird, and I know I'm in the minority. I, I get it. I'm not I'm not dying on this hill. I totally understand. <laughs> but I've never seen the Indiana Jones movies, but I've always been told, Jerry, it's your shit. You should watch it. People who know, like, my interests and stuff. So I want to eventually get around to it. But I am excited for the games because I love machine games, and... As much as I want a Wolfenstein 3, I totally get from a creative perspective the the chance to work on a different IP. 
is sure. really dope. Something, especially like Indiana Jones, that we haven't seen treated with the care it deserves in the gaming space in a long time. I couldn't even name the last Indiana Jones game. Was there a Crystal Skull license game when that came I'm out? I'm sure there was. Like that was back in that era when that would have happened too. Like they would have come out with a, a movie time or a game time with the movie. Yeah, and uh, Tango GameWorks, we don't know what the main team is working on, right? We had Ghostwire Tokyo a couple of years ago. Hi-Fi sure. Rush came out this year, but that was the, the side uh, team. And it's going to be important for them too whenever they show their next game because it's going to be the first one without Shinji Mikami, who recently left the studio. Um, so it's going to be cool to see what's going on there. Other Bethesda stuff, I don't know. Um, the big thing for me with Xbox is I want to see Avowed because with Starfield coming out, that's going to eat up a lot of time for... Bethesda, and I'm not under the impression that we're getting Elder Scrolls Six anytime soon. No, I think for the that's next why four or five years. I, why, I, like it's we're literally talking like 27, 28. Yeah, and uh, unless they have a secret second team that they built over the last four years, and it may be three years or something, we who sure. knows? But I'm not holding my breath for that. And I think that that's why Xbox sees Obsidian Entertainment as so important. And Dom and I have talked about how they're pretty much Xbox's Insomniac Games, in which yep. they can deliver a number of games in a very fast time frame, and they're all of high quality. Like, say what you want about Grounded, that's one of the coolest sandbox titles I've ever had the pleasure of playing, and it's a really fun, cool concept. Like, it's weird that somebody hasn't taken advantage of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing, Chris. As popular as those movies were when they came out, for somebody to not be like, oh, that'd be a really cool sandbox title, Obsidian was like, let's do that, we can do that, and it delivers, it's really fun. And obviously we've gotten Outer Worlds, Outer Worlds 2 is in development, Unfortunately, it seems like that new update for the next-gen update for the first Outer Worlds isn't all that great. It kind of broke sure. the game in a number of ways, which is a bummer. But I think Avowed, Xbox wants to position it as their fantasy RPG because we don't know when we're getting uh, Elder Scrolls, Elder right? Scrolls, we, just, yeah. we just don't know. Um, and I'm also of the opinion that I think they should let Obsidian tackle the Fallout franchise again. They delivered arguably the best Fallout in Fallout New Vegas. Um I just have full trust in them. So I'm excited about it. I hope maybe you can return when we do our predictions for the E3 stuff. But sure. I, I Are you as excited as I am for Starfield? Like, do you want it to be great? Because I, you know, people are like, oh, it's going to be No Man's Sky. And I think you're kind of nothing against Hello Games, but I also think you're discrediting the talent and, and what Bethesda has shown they can deliver. And I'm, I, I'm on very what the excited. RPG elements are for this game. Because they really yeah. haven't like dove into that aspect. I can appreciate people saying, "Oh, this is No Man's Sky," because like they basically they're just trying to associate it with whatever they can because they don't really know what it is because they really haven't got too deep into what it is. They've gone that you have all those little vignettes that they showed, but like nothing major. So That's I'm just true. really Good curious. Bethesda is not really my jam, but I am excited about this game because I'm you know as a Game Pass owner, like this is a game I get to play. You know what I mean? So I I will definitely be on board to play it and give it a shot. But I'm really curious and cannot wait for what their presentation is because that's where they're either going to win or lose people. And the thing I will say is Todd Howard can get a lot of grief for a lot of valid reasons, but that man knows how to present a video game. Like the Fallout 4 presentation where the game came out four months later, he is so good at selling people to the point where like in an alternate universe, Chris, he could have been like a cult leader. Like he's very charismatic. <laughs> he's very good at selling his points. He's obviously a very intelligent man. And I'm excited for that because... I do think he has the power with what the team can deliver to sell people on it. And I, you, you do make a good point of like, I think once people see what the game is, that'll make or break it for people. It's kind of like the thing when, 
don't know if you remember when there was a whole thing about people saying like, we need to boycott the next Call of Duty game. We need to boycott. And then uh, there was a screen cap of uh, the day of the Call of Duty release and all of the friends list of all the people that were saying that are all playing Call of Duty. Oh, sure. Right? They're all playing. Yeah, I think it's the same yeah. thing with Starfield where people can bitch and moan about Bethesda this, Bethesda that. But everyone wants to get excited for an, the next Bethesda title because they're one of the premier developers and they can deliver something truly special when they're at the top of their game. At the end of the day, gamers should always cheer for getting the best product out there because it means we get the best product, right? So yeah. I think if and they're able to deliver in, and sell in, people. In Xbox's cap too because it's like this is why we bought Bethesda. Like if Starfield can exactly. be that. Like, it's like, this is why we bought them, because this is going to carry us now for the next year, and it'll buy us grace with people being uh, Game Pass owners, it'll buy us time with all of our other studios and the games that are, like, air quotes coming, like, whatever, you know, because Xbox, is it's a showcase. They have got to show the goods. They have to. They have to show what's coming next year, and it better be four or five games. Well, and especially with what we're expected from the PlayStation Showcase, which is to deliver the next phase of PlayStation... You know PlayStation is going to bring the bangers in terms of their, their exclusives. Too. So, I it's it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. Um, sure. Yeah, I, I I really hope it's good. And at some point, it's like, is it too big to even fail? I'm interested to see the support studios that are going to be out because I think it's going to be a very long list once it's released when we get the full details. The other thing, uh, I love how Sea of Thieves lets other development studios in Xbox like they. They have a lot of like items and Easter eggs and stuff that uh -huh. um, it, it's kind of like whenever a new PlayStation game comes out and you always see that dope artwork from a studio celebrating the release of that game, right? Like when Naughty Dog released Last of Us 2, you saw Insomniac and all these other studios uh, release artwork related to it. Uh, sea of Thieves did a really good job of that with new games for Xbox. And I hope that Starfield does the same and that I, I, I hope they work together to kind of call out other franchises and it's it's a way to like secretly get people excited about being in the xbox ecosystem and being excited about these series and stuff like i would put money on the fact that we're probably going to see a cog tag or some weird gears of war or halo easter egg that you can find i don't know that, that stuff's awesome. cool to me because it's not necessary to the overall enjoyment of the product but for those who know it's cool and i yeah. always love when that happens so yeah it's nice a nice tip of the cap little tip of the cap uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for uh, this week's show in terms of the news. We'll talk about what we've been playing, but one thing you mentioned earlier about the, uh, you know, getting a Nintendo Power or whatever, the, uh, and speaking of Bethesda specifically, I remember, Chris, walking into a Lowe's, which is like a local grocery store here in the Southwest, um, and uh, this was like maybe 2000, yeah, 2004-ish, had to be around then. Walk in, they have a, a magazine stand. While well, my mom's picking up some of the items, I go to the magazine stand. I'm, you know, kids scrolling through the magazines, looking at the gaming magazines. I see an issue of Game Informer with this this orange lighting and this knight on it with a sword. And I'm like, oh, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And it says Elder Scrolls Oblivion on it. And I'm like, Elder Scrolls Oblivion? What is this? I didn't grow up playing Morrowind or any of the other games. I didn't know what it was. It's like, it's releasing on Xbox 360 next year. And I was like, Mom, please let me buy this magazine. I know it's $8, which, good Lord, do they have any rights selling magazines for $8? That was wild back then. <laughs> um, you're lucky to sell a magazine for $2 these days. Uh, but I, I, I was like, please let me buy it. And I did the thing, Chris, where I bought the thing, and I was just flipping through, looking at the preview. I'm like, this is... Uh, I grew up a huge Lord of the Rings fan, so high fantasy is like one of my favorite genres of entertainment, period. Um, so... 
I was like, I got to play this game. I got to play this game. And uh, yeah, my mom ended up picking it up for me when it released. And it's just one of those cool memories of being introduced to a new series. And it was all thanks to, like you, you're talking about the magazine, just a random magazine with the cover. And that's the other thing is those covers were so important back in the day. And they're, the cover reveals are cool these days, Chris, but they don't mean the same. You know what I mean? Oh. And it's just uh, you know, now. a dose of Bummer. nostalgia. Yeah. Do you have any noticeable uh, other magazine stories of, of seeing something on the shelf and being like, I got to play this? Gosh, uh, yeah, because I played uh, 89 uh, Batman on Nintendo because of that. That was on the front of uh, Nintendo Power. Like they had the, pe- the Joker yeah. was on the front of that cover. And so I remember specifically, and I also remember how hard as hell that game was because I only got to the top of the tower and couldn't beat the Joker because that game was impossible. <laughs> but yeah, no, I that definitely from that. And uh, the other one that I, I got um, based on a, a magazine was uh, Kingdom Hearts, or the original Kingdom Hearts. Okay. That, yeah, that, my that's son, a weird uh, one too. I've seen a magazine three of those, and it just reminded me of that. I, yeah, they had the Disney yeah. characters on the front. It was like really cool. I wasn't really into Final Fantasy, but I saw the Disney characters, and it was just like one of those things where it's like, well, let's give this thing a crack. And yeah, I fell in love with with Kingdom Hearts, and and it's kind of like I said, uh, I told you guys offline. My son's played through all three now. Now he's into the uh, Dream Drop Distance. And the 3.15 Executioner yep, yep. Aqua, whatever. <laughs> well, whatever the hell. Yeah, he's been playing. I mean, he, he's like into it. So I'm like, okay. And man, Kingdom Hearts also, I would say, if we were to ever rank the top uh, video game key art, like cover arts of all time, it has to be up there. The The cover art for Kingdom Hearts is so good. So it is. Good. It's really cool. Um, yeah, so that's basically, let's talk about what we've been playing. I have a couple of things to mention. I'll start off with the thing I mentioned at the top of the show. And then I played Super Mario Galaxy for the first time. And, you know, it's one of those things, Chris, I never owned a Wii. Never owned a Wii U, thankfully. So I missed out on a bunch of games in that era. Um, Partially, I mean, the big reason why I didn't buy either of those systems, I'm not a motion control guy, Chris. I don't like motion controls. Never have. Probably never will. I remember going to my cousin's house and playing Madden on the Wii and being like, this is horrible. Let me just play Madden with the controller. This is awful. For Super Mario Galaxy, have you played Super Mario Galaxy? Yeah, I played Super Mario Galaxy. I played it uh, when it came out. I absolutely love the game. Yeah, I think it's an incredible game. Uh, what I was talking to Dom about last week on the show is that, for me, there's like two or three sections of this game where you have to use motion controls, and for me, it completely ruins those levels for me. Thankfully, the game is so incredible that it doesn't take away from the overall experience, but the the one where you have to control the motion controls in the wind and the one where you have to control the motion controls while you're, like, spinning on a ball. It, it's just a bummer that with these ports, obviously there's a whole conversation of how lazy, I hate that term, but, you know, how lackluster, I guess, is a better way to put it, the, the ports were for the 3D All-Stars collection. I just wish they would add an alternate where you can control the ball or Mario in those situations with the stick. Because uh, it just wasn't... When the rest of the game is so good, Chris, and you find a lack of enjoyment in those specific areas... They just stand out so much more like sore thumbs. Um, but like I said, thankfully, it didn't take away from me being able to complete the game. It didn't take away from my overall enjoyment. I want to play two, so I'm hoping they port it at some point. Um, I don't know where I'd put it in the pantheon of 3D Mario games for me. I think still Odyssey is one for sure. 64 might get the edge for nostalgia, but I don't want that to take away from Galaxy because for somebody who's played it, what, like 20 years after its release? Maybe. Maybe like a little less than that, maybe like 17, 18 years. I don't remember when it originally came out. I think like 20, 2006, 2007 maybe? Does that sound right? That sounds about right. 
Yeah, it, it holds up incredibly well. Like Mario is just one of those franchises that they're they're so good. So had a blast with that. Um, I, I'm I've debated going and hopping into 64, but there's other games I want to play uh, currently. Which speaking of, uh, I've been playing through Hi-Fi Rush. Talking about Xbox, cool. It's I'm not a rhythm game guy naturally. Uh, thankfully, I have rhythm, but I'm just I don't gravitate towards those those style of games. I think the last rhythm game I was really in love with was like Parappa the Rapper way back in the day, which what a bad Rapper game that I love for That's nostalgia awesome. reasons. Um, but yeah, Hi-Fi Rush, I love that it doesn't punish you for being offbeat. Uh, it has a really good steady pace of introducing upgrades and characters. You've probably seen it on the internet by now, Chris, of like the transition from gameplay to cinematics is almost seamless. It's yep. incredible how quickly it happens and it doesn't feel like you're getting taken out of the world at all. The characters are dope. I've heard it was uh, a lot of people compared it to like Scott Pilgrim versus the world in terms of the overall aesthetic and vibe. <laughs> Another point where people would hate me is I've only ever watched like the first 20 minutes of Scott Pilgrim because, uh, which is a shame too, because I'm a big comics guy. Yeah. I just find the main character, Michael Sarah's character, like a super insufferable. And I also right. think like, it's kind of weird that he's like trying to date a teenager. The vibes for it are off for me. So I've never completed that movie because I just don't like it. But this game, humor, everything is chef's kiss. I'm like three hours in. I think it's like 10 hours to beat. Having a blast. Boss battles are cool. Um, is this something you dipped into or was it just like, ah, I'm not, that's not my type of game. I'm not even going to. No, gonna... it really just wasn't my type of thing. Like, I, and I, the thing of it is, is I watched somebody play it like online for, I don't know, probably about a half an hour, 40 minutes, like a couple of evenings uh, back. And it was like, it's cool to watch. And everything, but it's just not like not a game I'd be interested in. Like I, so, but I'm always interested in looking at games. Like even if I'm not interested in playing them, like I can appreciate, you know, from you know far, you know, sitting back and saying, oh yeah, I get, I get the concept. This is really cool. This is innovative. And the fact that they were like basically shadow dropping it was like even better. It's like Jesus, really? And and you're talking about a game that has, I mean, it's probably not going to be a game of the year, but it, you know, obviously it's going to be in a lot of people's top ten. Oh, for sure. I think. I'm going to be so mad. Like, I'd love if it was in the Game of the Year nominees. I'm going to be so mad if this isn't in Art Direction. I think for sure that's a category that it stands with any game that comes out this year because it's so unique in what it delivers. It's a Saturday morning cartoon in a way that I personally haven't experienced in a video game to that level. Sure. Like, the closest thing I can think of is maybe, like, Sunset Overdrive or something. Yep. But even then, I think the the level of engineering for the seamless transition, like I stated, bef between gameplay and animation is it's incredible how fluid it is and i love the way they change up the gameplay where it's not only these combat arenas where you fight people to rhythm there's traversal parts where you have to you know dodge objects there's very cool narrative moments it i'm having a blast with it and i'd be shocked if it wasn't in my top 10 by the end of the year but i think the only way that happens is if i get a bunch of dope games i enjoy which hey i'll, I'll dig that as well the last game i wanted to mention is Wo long fallen dynasty now, this is a game I was excited to hop into because I'm a Souls boy. I love me some Souls. And the reviews were positive, but more middling than I wanted them to be. Obviously, this is the latest release from Team Ninja. It's the first major Team Ninja release Xbox players have been able to get because, obviously, Neo and Neo 2 were console exclusive to PlayStation. So that's another reason I was stoked because I hadn't had a chance to hop into Neo, which Dom did and Dom loved it. And honestly, a lot of Dom's praise for Neo is why I was excited to hop into this. And I, I don't want to be mean to Team Ninja, but it's very clear, Chris, when I hopped in, like, 
oh, this is a Souls-like in, like, genre, but I can already tell that the quality doesn't match, you know? And it's not necessarily their fault. When I'm I'm used to playing the Elden Rings and Dark Souls of the world and the Sekiro's and Bloodborne's, when people try the same thing, it's very clear to me when they fall short for better or worse. Um, it's I'm having an okay time. I'm still on the first boss, which obviously in all the reviews say like the first boss is like kind of a blockade. And once you get past that, they have like weird gaps in difficulty where it's like easy, easy, easy. And then it shoots through the roof and the difficulty scaling. Um, and honestly, I haven't given it the fighter's chance to beat the boss because it's just like I'm not vibing with the gameplay. It's not as tight and as responsive is like a firm game and I'm I'm giving it a good old college try because I don't want to fault it for that because even if a game doesn't match from software's quality of what I think a, a, an action RPG like this should be I don't think I should totally dismiss it so I'm still going along with it but we're inching ever closer to like RE4 remake and stuff so this might be a game I honestly drop unfortunately which is a bummer because at the beginning of the year I was so interested in a new Souls like um yeah, I don't know. It just it's... yeah. I was watching a lot of reviews on it and just saw people saying that this was such a dodge game, like dodge defense, dodge defense. That like it really wasn't. Which I mean, I guess is kind of Souls like. But when I watched some of the video play of it, I, I think I watched Long Pierce play a little bit of it, and um, I can't. I made it might have been kind of funny playing it a little bit, but it just it it looked cool graphically. Um, but everybody kind of was just like mad on it, so. It looked more like a swimming in sixes, you know what I mean, or sevens, rather than a game that should be like like everybody had a hype level of it being like an eight or a nine. Well, yeah, and then on top of it, you hear that it's like maybe ten hours too long, and it's like a forty-hour game, and it's like I don't know if I'm down to play a, a seven out of ten Souls like for forty hours when there's so many other games I can play. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate. Uh, obviously, it's in Game Pass, which is the dopest thing because I don't feel any regret for playing it. Um, and it is something I might come back to at the end of the year if I end up dropping it soon. But yeah, it's just, especially, you know, playing Super Mario, Super Mario Galaxy and having a blast with that and having a blast with Hi-Fi Rush. Those two are, uh, not necessarily Super Mario Galaxy, but Hi-Fi Rush isn't in a genre I usually gravitate to. Wolong is, and it's, unfortunately, it's the one that's maybe the most disappointing for me so far this year, which is a bit of a bummer, but it is what it is. Uh, have you been playing anything recently or you just... Waiting for the next yeah, thing you're interested no, I, in. I, I got um, Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, I've been playing that uh, kind of slowly. The game is a lot of talking in early on. So it's okay. really, I mean, it's great because it's kind of got that RPG mechanic. But like, it's a, to me, like it's kind of sluggish in the early game. I don't know, for the first like three hours, a lot of like, go here, do this, go here, do that. And then you have to talk to somebody for five minutes and then it's all cutscene. And the other bummer is, is like you can't skip past a cutscene. You have to like sit through it. You also can't pause through a skip scene or a cutscene. You have to like literally sit through it before you can save the game, which kind of sucks. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of mucking around with that. And then, obviously, from watching Tilo on uh, HBO, I played through uh, Left Behind again. Uh, just felt like I needed to. It was great. It's like a short little four or five hours that you can play the game. Don't have to jump in too, too heavily into The Last of Us, but still can get get through the mechanics. And it plays just as well, obviously. I played it on uh, The Last of Us Part 1 because I bought the the updated uh, game. And I just, it, I adore the game anyway to begin with, but then you mix that with the, some of the watching it on, on screen and then you get to play it, play through it, and you get to see the differences. Just a lot of fun. So those are the things I've been playing as of late. Hogwarts Legacy, do you, I haven't looked too much into the game. 
Uh, <laughs> like I obviously I know generally what the game is, and I've seen clips and stuff. But there was one question that I, I could totally Google, but I want to ask you about it. Is uh, do you pick your house, or do you do like a sorting quiz thing, or it, like how you does do that sorting? Happen? Yeah. So like I went on a website, and I can I could pre-sort, or you could go there and sort, and it's like you get you answer like ten questions, and that sorts you into whatever house. Okay, so you don't get it. You can't shoot. Well, I guess you can, right? You can manipulate it. Of like, this is you what can you probably manipulate. To get into this I would house. guess, and I didn't really even look into it. But um, I, I'm sure that if you answer a certain question certain ways, that you just go into a different house. And I, saw I just a weird want to be thing, clear: like some houses the, have more quests than the other, or something. Uh, they do. They do. That's I weird. want to be upfront, though. I didn't pay full price for this game. In fact, I didn't want to give any money to uh, a certain person. So I bought this game used. Uh, and felt like my money was going back to GameStop as opposed to the the uh, the person that shall not be named. So that's why I purchased the it. The true Voldemort. Um, I, it was, I, <laughs> yeah, I was I was interested in playing it because um, it, I was just looking for something that like fit in my wheelhouse. And I'll be honest with you, Horizon uh, DLC that's coming up is probably going to just kind of eat its lunch here soon because I'm a huge Horizon fan. So I'm definitely going to be buying the DLC and playing Burning that next. Shores. Is that what it is? Burning Shores, and yeah. I'll also be playing obviously Star Wars. So like, it'll probably Hogwarts. I'll be. It'll probably end up being like a summer game for me. Like I'll probably end up kind of di diving into it summer early, you know, early August that sort of thing, and waiting for Starfield to come along. Yeah, no judgment. Like I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm in a place too where I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and it's one of those tough choices. You know, we've talked. People on the internet have talked about it. We don't really need to get into it, but sure, I am of the opinion too that like I eventually want to get to it. I definitely want to buy it used. Um, and at this point, there's so many games coming out, like RE4, you said Star Wars, Jedi yep. Survivor, that like, by the time I do want to get to it and I have space, I'm hoping I can get it used and even get it at a cheaper price, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, and maybe by then DLC drops, so there's even an added incentive of that, but then, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing, man. It's, it's just a bummer that like, everything is clotted for a game that is pretty good, and it just sucks that it's... Yeah, I mean it's fun to play. I'll be honest with you, like playing it and and uh, having learning all of the stuff and and going through the house and it's like really educational and it's it's really cool. Like I I'm really enjoying it. I guess I I I don't want to make people think the game is boring. It's not. It's just I like it's it's less light RPG and and like more heavy RPG. Like you have to go through like almost like a a Mass Effect type chat box with every single person that you're walking past. So it just I have to get in that mindset and be like kind of ready for that. And coming off of games like God of War and and uh, The Last of Us, it's just like you kind of have to be in a mindset, or you have to just kind of prepare yourself to, for that's what I'm playing now. It's just a weird monkey's paw situation, you know. Unfortunately, which yep. fun, funny enough, like you know uh, how kids these days, if you ask them to hold up a fake phone, they'll do like a flat hand, like the iPhone. They don't do like the old banana thing that we do. Sure. Most kids. Sure. An another thing there is. Uh, Man, I totally lost my train of thought. I totally blanked. Um, oh, uh, but I've mentioned the like the phrase "monkey's pawn." People don't know what that means, so I thought, oh, I really? Explain? Yeah, it's very yeah, weird. That's interesting. My contemporaries too, and not even like people super younger than me. It's just like, and it's more people than I'd assume, because like it's like oh, one or two people. Everyone grows up differently in situations, so you might not sure. have never heard of it. But like pop culture wise, it's like I only learned about monkey's paw from pop culture. I don't know how. Yeah, it's very weird. It's one of those things where like you learn that something you thought was general knowledge maybe isn't as much. And obviously that yeah. gets worse as we get older. <laughs> and it's so. interesting, like the things that get passed down. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's pretty much it for this week's show, episode 270. Hopefully Dom is back next week. Thank you once again, Chris, for filling in for him. 
on a pretty short notice. If you can, please let everyone know where they can find you on the internet. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Topher News, T-O-P-H-E-R-N-U-N-E-S. Uh, before I get into the closeout of the show, are you a Ninja Turtles guy? I am. Big Raphael fan. I'm a Donatello guy. Um, I'm super excited. I Listen, I, I pray that they come out with like a really cool open world TMNT game. Me too. There was um the, the the studio that did the really good Transformers games. Didn't they weren't they working on one that ended up not being that great? Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. It's like all these like the only good TMNT games are the side scroller beat 'em ups, and it's like I, there's so much more there that they could be doing with these type of games. Like give them an Arkham world and like do it that way. Like that would be great. Like imagine Rocksteady doing TMNT. Like that would be fantastic. Just you know skin it with them in a Batman game. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if you can choose the turtle or you can swap between them and upgrade each of them individually. There's so much you can sure. do. The only reason I brought it up is because a new trailer for uh, Mutant Mayhem looks so dope. I oh, love yeah, this yeah. era of animation post into the Spider-Verse that we're getting. I don't know if you ever saw Mitchell's versus the Machines, but that's like one of my favorite animated movies in a while. Yeah. Uh, very underrated. Such a cool message in that movie. But uh, uh, yeah, they look so dope. I love that they actually have teenagers voicing them. Super excited. It's the most excited I've been for a TMNT uh, move, a movie in a while. I'm not a Michael Bay guy. They got Giancarlo so. Esposito to, do that, to be that, uh, too, right? Stockman, yeah. Yeah, pretty awesome. Seth Rogen, John Cena, our Bebop and Rocksteady. You got Jackie Chan as uh, Splinter. Uh, Splinter. Really yep. cool casting. Um, bunch of really nice like celebrity cameos for like the offbeat villains, too. Super excited. That's cool. Very cool. Now for the rigmarole. Uh, if you can, please follow us on Twitter, collectively at CTRL, C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's control of the interest, abbreviated. Like Chris said, you can follow him at Topher Nunes, T-O-P-H-E-R-N-U-N-E-S. You can follow me at Jared Weich, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Other than that, you can follow us on YouTube. Search controlled interest. will pop right up. Subscribe so you never miss a podcast. Like the video. Comment down below and let us know what you think the next Batman game we're going to get. Uh, probably won't be from Rocksteady, but hopefully we get one soon. Uh, other than that, you can go to any podcast service of your choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, search us up. You'll find us there. Leave us a review as always. It definitely helps. Other than that, we'll catch you guys next week with some more video game news. See you guys then. Bye.